everybody. Welcome back to the Texas Down Syndrome Chat. I'm your host today, Faith Lavario, the development coordinator here at the Down Syndrome Association of South Texas. Um, welcome back to our last episode of the year. We are so excited that we have done this podcast for an entire year and had and been able to um, put out 12 episodes and just I can't believe it's been an entire year of this and we're so grateful and thankful for all of our listeners and supporters and also all the people that we have interviewed and who came on and talked with us. We appreciate you all. We can't thank you enough for taking the time out of your day to come speak with us. And without you, we wouldn't be able to have this podcast. So thank you. So let's jump into our DSA STX Minute to highlight this month we don't have we didn't have a lot going on we only had a our holiday party which was a success we loved it we had so much fun with all of you making new memories with each other as well as the new play, new venue that we had we were at the Duzam and I was so excited we had over 970 attendees there I think it was 978 I believe. Um, and we can't believe all of you came and just had and celebrated the evening with us and celebrated the holiday season. Uh, we're just so grateful and thankful. So um, as this podcast will be releasing towards the end of the month, we do not have much as we are closed um, starting December 22nd to um, January 1st. Our office will be closed um, throughout that week and we won't resume our regular hours until January 2nd. So jumping into January the new year um, of 2024. We have so much going on. As you all know, we are celebrating our 30th anniversary in 2024. And we're so excited. We have so much things planned and so many special events. We just cannot wait to share it all with you guys. Um, so stay tuned for all of that. Get ready to celebrate with, with us. We cannot have made it 30 years without each and every one of you. Um, two special events to highlight in January are the 2024 education conference that we have that we are putting on at the Mac on January 26th. It's a Friday from 8 a.m. to 3 p.m. We have eight different sessions on eight different topics with seven speakers. We have a keynote. We have exhibitors. We have lunch. It's just a day full of learning and connecting with one another. And we love our education conference. We love not to only be able to provide programming to our families to come out and have fun, but to actually learn, gain information, gain resources, and to connect with one another to only grow our community and empower our community to be the best it can be and get as much opportunity as we need for our loved ones with Down syndrome. So get ready for our education conference. If you have not registered, um, please do so now. We only have about five weeks left and we're so excited. So make sure to register today. Another special event we have going on in January is our Spurs game. We're excited to start the year with our Spurs game. We usually do it within the middle of the year, but we decided to push it forward. And, and now we are going to have our Spurs and DSA STX night on January 29th at 7 p.m. And if you have not bought your tickets, make sure to do so. The deadline for them is January 15th. Um, tickets are in high demand right now, as you all know, if you're a big fan of the Spurs. So uh, we do have a deadline for tickets because we need to make sure we have this many people coming. We know who's all coming and we can get ready for that um, evening. So I'm so excited for the game. It's one of my favorite events that we get to do. We love the Spurs um, and we thank you. We thank them again for their partnership. So let's jump into this episode. 
Today's guest is from the University of Texas Health San Antonio and within the Glenn Biggs Institute for Alzheimer's and Neurodegenerative Diseases. She is the Assistant Professor of the Department of Neurology at the University of Texas Health San Antonio and also a Physician Assistant and Research Investigator for the Glenn Biggs Institute for Alzheimer's and Neurodegenerative Diseases. Um, She and her team have been a big part in providing information and educating our organization regarding their study, um, their study and their research on dementia and Alzheimer's disease and the correlation within individuals with Down syndrome. So we're so grateful for them to come out and do a podcast with us and give us more information, not for only for us to learn, but for also our families and all the rest of our audience to learn. So, so let's introduce our guest. Hi, Sarah. Hey, hey, Faith. How are you today? Good. How are you? I am doing good. I'm so glad that you were able to do this with us um, and do this interview. We're so excited to finally get to know more about the Institute and the research that you guys are doing. And we're just so happy that you made time because I know you had a busy schedule today. (laughs) Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Um, So we're going to jump into some few icebreaker questions and kind of get to know you a little more. So as the holidays are coming up, what um, is some of your favorite holiday traditions? Um, So I enjoy um, spending time with my nieces making gingerbread houses. Oh, you have nieces? I have nephews. And they're really hard to impress. <laughs> um, uh, my nieces, they're age 3, 10, and 11. Um, so they're getting at the age where they're it's getting harder to impress them. Mm, yeah, my nephew's hitting 7, and I'm like, this is not too cool for you. This is fun. We took him to go see some Christmas lights this past weekend, and it was... He was like, this is fun, but I'm like, and his three-year-old brother's like, oh my gosh, I love this. This is so awesome. And I'm like, what happened? Why are you getting so old? Um, So anyway, there's anything else that you do during the holidays? Oh, yes. Um, Always go to a lights festival. Mm. There are some great ones in San Antonio that I enjoy seeing. Yeah, those are always fun. I went to the one um, in Austin this past weekend, uh, the Trilla Parks. And that was a lot, a lot of people. But um, um, my hometown is in West Texas. So we had like our annual Christmas tree lighting there. Um, Mm. So when we moved down to San Antonio, we were like, we want to find like the Christmas lighting, the whole thing, because that was our thing growing up. So we really loved that. Um, So do you have any plans? Are you are you traveling this year? Are you staying home? Are you staying in town? Oh, I'm going to actually West uh, West Texas um, oh, really? for the holidays and the New Year's. Um, so um, Fort Jackson, I believe. Or oh, I'm sorry, Fort Davis. <laughs> oh, are you from there or? No, um, I was born in El Paso, but I grew up in Massachusetts. Oh wow! So you're from from born in the West Texas, but you're you moved somewhere else, and then you moved to San Antonio like for a couple a job? years ago, oh, couple years. Uh, two, 2021. Oh, wow. So right. So after COVID. So, right after COVID. Mm-hmm. Things were a little, were looking a little different here in San Antonio or anywhere. It was looking different. So, um, but that's good. But uh, we're so glad, like I said, to have you on this podcast. Um, I know this is December and this is also within the holiday planning and time and also your work, um, which is so important. And I know you guys do so much. So thank you for, for hopping on and doing this interview. We appreciate it. So to jump right into it, could you introduce yourself and the whole institute and what you guys do? 
So um, hello, um, as Faith said, my name is Sarah Savoya. I'm an assistant professor in the Department of Neurology at UT Health San Antonio, and I'm a physician assistant and research investigator in cognitive neurology at the Glenn Biggs Institute for Alzheimer's and Neurodegenerative Disease. Uh, the Glenn Biggs Institute is one of 33 centers in the nation and the only one in Texas recognized as a National Institute on Aging designated Alzheimer's Disease Research Center. Um, here um, at the Glenn Biggs, um, we're able to provide comprehensive care to patients with neurodegenerative diseases such as Alzheimer's disease and to their families. And in addition to the comprehensive care, um, patients have access to innovative treatments through our clinical trials. That's a little bit about um, myself and organization. <laughs> yeah, you guys have done a lot from the past conversations that we've had. I mean, it's just kind of it's, it's kind of amazing to see. And y'all sent, sent over some information, too. And I've been reading some of it before this podcast. And it, it's work that you guys are doing. It's very important to our community, especially so jumping into the primary focus of this interview, can you give us a description or explanation of what Alzheimer's disease is and why is it important to our families? So Alzheimer's disease, it's the most common of the primary neurodegenerative diseases that causes dementia or inability to perform daily tasks due to impaired memory, other cognitive functions and behaviors. The symptoms in Alzheimer's disease are due to neuronal cell death and inflammation that is caused by the accumulation of misfolded proteins in the brain, such as beta amyloid and phosphorylated tau. Um, now, Alzheimer's disease is important for families with loved ones with Down syndrome to know about because of its high prevalence um, in this patient population. According to the National Down Syndrome Society, about 30% of people with Down syndrome who are in their 50s have Alzheimer's dementia, and about 50% of people with Down syndrome in their 60s have Alzheimer's dementia. Now, scientists think that the increased risk of dementia, like the other health issues associated with Down syndrome, results from the extra genes present. Uh, one of the chromosome 21 genes of greatest interest in the Down syndrome Alzheimer's connection codes, um, this amyloid precursor, precursor protein, um, we call it just the APP gene. Um, though we're still continuing to learn more about this APP's function, we do know that one of the brain's APP processing pathways um, produces this beta amyloid plaque which is a fragment that's the chief component of plaques and prime suspect in Alzheimer's-related brain changes. So just having an extra copy of the APP gene may increase the production of this beta amyloid, uh, which triggers the chain of biological events leading to Alzheimer's disease. And going into more an explanation uh, for our families, what are some of the symptoms that, you know, with our individuals who have Down syndrome or loved ones with Down syndrome, um, could start look at look at or start looking at or like what are some symptoms correlated with this? Yep. So in people with Down syndrome, changes in overall function, personality, and behavior actually may be more common early signs of Alzheimer's than the typical memory loss and forgetfulness. So some early symptoms that you um, want to look out for for those with Down syndrome would be reduced interest in being sociable, um, conversing or expressing thoughts, uh, decreased enthusiasm for one's usual activities, decline in ability to pay attention, um, feeling sad, fearful, or anxiety, or irritability, uncooperativeness, and aggression. You can also see some restlessness or sleep disturbances. 
Um, also, um, you can um, develop seizures um, in adulthood, um, which would also be a sign of possible future Alzheimer's disease. Um, also, you can see some changes in coordination and your walking um, or um, increased noisiness or excitability. Those would be some um, early signs in those um, with Down syndrome. But some additional early warning signs in typical Alzheimer's disease um, that you should look out for as well includes memory loss that disrupts your daily life. You have challenges in planning or solving problems. Um, difficulty completing familiar tasks, you're having confusion with time or place, uh, trouble understanding visual images or spatial relationships, knowing where things are in space or judging distances. Um, you have new problems with words in speaking or writing. Uh, you have withdrawal from work or social activities or even some misplacing things, um, but you're losing the ability to retrace your steps. Um, when, when misplacing those objects. Yeah. And I know there's a lot of, you know, you're talking about these symptoms and things to look for, but like sometimes, you know, you know, I forget things or someone can forget things. Is there like a time frame where it's like, or the consistency that, you know, we should be looking for or looking at or time frame we should um, kind of wait for before we start asking our doctor or going to a, our medical provider for this? Oh, yes. So um, the average age of onset for Alzheimer's disease is actually age 54 in people with Down syndrome. So it's important to start being cognizant of intellectual, behavioral, and social function functional changes in your fifth decade of life, so mm -hmm. 50s and greater. Um, however, um, it is recommended that by age 35, um, each individual's medical record should document um, your one's abilities and baseline adult functional status just because um, this disease can start as early as age 35. Um, that's um, been the youngest um, recorded age um, thus far is 35. Wow, well, 35. I mean, I just wanted to know because like I said, there's some and there's 20s and it's not even just individuals with Down syndrome. It can be with anybody of just, oh, should I look for out for this? Should are we worried about this? But um, having that good time frame in an age where it could potentially start um, happening or start occurring um, is something really great to look at. So going forward, when wanting to speak with a doctor or when you are noticing those symptoms, what are some recommendations for the next step for those families, how to approach their doctor and like what are some conversations, questions they can start with their medical provider to get on top of all of this? So um, as it's recommended that a baseline adult functional status is documented by age 35, um, it will be important for families to monitor for changes in day-to-day -day functions. If families are noticing intellectual, behavioral, and or social functional changes in their loved ones with Down syndrome, mm -hmm. um, it's recommended that these families inform their primary care provider of these exact changes um, and then request for a referral to neurology or preferably um, to a memory care clinic for further evaluation. Um, when evaluated by a dementia specialist, um, mm -hmm. the dementia specialist will be particularly concerned about a functional decline in daily activities. 
Um, and so that's where having that baseline um, functional status documented by age 35 will be important. And then um, in seeing the dementia specialist, um, he or she will likely complete a variety of cognitive tests with the patient um, and order imaging. The dementia specialist will also rule out other causes of symptoms. It's important to rule out other medical conditions commonly associated with Down syndrome as the cause of changes in thinking and function could be due to thyroid problems, depression, chronic ear and sinus infections, vision loss, and uh, sleep apnea. Going also further into this, uh, we had discussed previous in our other conversations about brain health. And I think that's the big important message here is to take care of our brain and find ways um, that we can help. Can you give us some ways on how we can start taking care of our health? Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. I have a list. <laughs> so um, there's growing evidence um, indicates that people can actually reduce the risk of cognitive decline by adopting uh, some key lifestyle habits. Uh, there's about um, 10 lifestyle habits. First, adults need at least two hours and 30 minutes a week of moderate intensity aerobic activity. Um, that could be like brisk walking, um, I'm riding a bike, I'm jogging or hiking. Uh, you just want your heart rate up enough to where you're feeling a sweat. Um, so that's one. Also, formal education in any stage of life will help reduce your risk of cognitive decline in dementia. Three, evidence shows that smoking um, increases risk of cognitive decline. So quitting smoking can reduce that risk to levels comparable to those who have not smoked. Evidence also shows that risk factors for cardiovascular disease and stroke, so obesity, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, and diabetes can negatively impact your cognitive health. Brain injury can increase your risk of cognitive decline in dementia. So always wearing a seatbelt, use helmet when playing contact sports or riding a bike and take steps to prevent falls. Uh, want to prevent any brain injuries. Also, eat a healthy and balanced diet um, that is lower in fat and higher in vegetables and fruit um, to help reduce the risk of cognitive decline. Although research on diet and cognitive function is limited, um, certain diets such as the Mediterranean and the Mediterranean DASH diet uh, may contribute to risk reduction of cognitive decline. Uh, Sleep is important. Uh, Not getting enough sleep due to conditions like insomnia or sleep apnea may result in problems with memory and thinking. Some studies uh, link a history of depression with increased risk of cognitive decline. You really want to seek medical treatment if you're having Mm -hmm. symptoms of depression, anxiety, or other health mental concerns. Uh, Also, try to manage stress. Uh, Staying socially engaged may also support brain health. So, Pursue social activities that are meaningful to you. And then uh, lastly, um, challenge and activate your mind since it may have short and long-term benefits for your brain. Uh, Complete a jigsaw puzzle, do something artistic, play games. Um, The goal is you want to think the activity should make you think strategically. Mm -hmm. And this is for anybody, correct? Mm -hmm. Like they can take care of their health to like better their health better for their their future this is not just for individuals down syndrome so like i'm taking notes and everything about what can help because like i said i right now sometimes forget things and it's just not even there's other symptoms that uh we can all experience and um taking care of our own selves like i said everything you've just mentioned i'm, I'm just sitting here like yeah 
I could do that. I need to do that. <laughs> yes. And, and these brain health recommendations are for everyone across the board. <laughs> mm-hmm. So what are some strategies or recommendations that like our audience or families with loved ones with Down syndrome can start or like even our organization, since we serve individuals with Down syndrome, um, can learn and know about to implement like in our programming and their day to day lives that can help benefit um, individuals with DS and their their brain health. So uh, the Bix Institute is hoping to not only spread information about brain health, but to also educate the public about Alzheimer's disease uh, for early detection. Uh, Though there's no cure for Alzheimer's disease, uh, we recommend early detection in order to help families prepare for the future and to start help treating the patient's symptoms early. Um, Treatment can include uh, symptomatic medications like genepazolam amantine and enrollment into research uh, to advance therapies and potential cures. You guys have reached out to our organization um, throughout the year since last year. And I know you guys were at our walk last year. promoting and you know out there educating our families that are are walking to show last year can you give more info on your research and the study you guys are doing uh, with this disease and with individuals with down syndrome Um, could you please let us know more about what ut health science center is doing with all of this oh yes so uh, one study in particular that I would like to inform our audience today about is the trial ready cohort down syndrome study Mm-hmm. As many of the current Alzheimer's disease studies exclude participants with Down syndrome, the trial-ready cohort Down syndrome study is a study that's not only investigating the pathology of Alzheimer's disease and Down syndrome, but more importantly, participants in the study may be eligible uh, to receive disease-modifying therapies as they're being newly developed. Uh, the trial-ready cohort Down syndrome, or the TRC study um, that we also call it, mm-hmm. um, it matches people with Down syndrome to clinical trials related to Alzheimer's disease. The study routinely monitors study participants uh, for any changes uh, to their brain health or function over time uh, through having participants complete blood tests and brain imaging um, in order to eventually match them with applicable Alzheimer's disease clinical trials. Now, Because participants are routinely evaluated, um, researchers can fast-track them for enrollment into qualifying clinical studies as soon as they're eligible and match with one. Now, uh, healthy participants uh, between the ages of 25 and 55 with Down syndrome can enroll in this study as a first step towards participating in new clinical trials. Uh, Once evaluated and deemed eligible, participants enroll in the TRC study where they continue in-person visits once every 16 months until deemed eligible for an enrolling Alzheimer's disease clinical trial. Now, um, at each visit um, through the 16 months, um, biomarkers will be collected to learn more about the pathology of Alzheimer's disease and Down syndrome and to also monitor participants' brain health. And the biomarkers that we collect to monitor um, your progression of brain health um, includes cognitive testing, blood tests, and brain imaging. Now, um, interested and eligible participants, so um, those who are healthy and 25, um, ages 25 and 55 with Down syndrome would be eligible. Um, So those interested should contact um, their nearest trial-ready cohort uh, research center for an in-person evaluation. 
There are currently several TRC uh, research centers in the United States, um, one being the Biggs Institute, where I work at. Mm -hmm. um, so for those who are interested or would like more information, please feel free to call our senior research coordinator, Floyd, Floyd Jones. Um, Floyd Jones can be contacted at 210-450-3158. Yeah, and we've, we met Floyd and um, um, we've talked many times about over this conversation because I'm not saying many of our families have experienced this, but we've only have we only have a few that are within the age range of older than 50, um, but some in their 40s. Um, and I also had an aunt within her 40s. Information like this would have been helpful um, because as she got older, of course, we noticed um, certain things, just things that you had mentioned. Um, and I never really knew until I started working here that like the correlation and uh, or that it was like uh, they're more likely to to develop it. That's so I've learned here and, and that's when also Floyd reached out and mentioned more about that. But it was also like I said, and so I started working here and we, I started working with other organizations that also focus on Alzheimer's and then us focus on Down syndrome and special needs and other stuff and then correlating the two. Um, so this information is really, really helpful in our sense and just any of our families who are out there, of course, have older loved ones with Down syndrome just to kind of see if it's something that could potentially develop or is and they have no idea about it or what they don't know how to take the next step. Um, so thank you, yeah, Sarah, for coming on here and, I mean, speaking more about this. Oh, thank you. I'm happy to spread the word. <laughs> yeah, and, and that, that's your, I mean, our goal is the same thing, to spread awareness of Down syndrome and um, get our organization out there and what you guys are doing or just benefiting our community, but benefiting um, the health of many, many um, individuals. And so I'm so glad that we got to meet and we got to finally do this. Is there anything else that you wanted to add about your um, or your institute, your study, um, yourself? Yeah, I guess um, it, the important thing is if you just start, if we start to notice um, changes in the functional status or the social activities or some cognitive changes, it's always good just to get that check because um, um, early detection, um, there there are treatment options um, that can help. Yeah. And like I said, you're, you're just trying to I mean, spread awareness, educate people, like I said, for early detection to get out there um, and jump on it. Just spreading the word is how you get out there. And so our families would really appreciate all this information. I mean, if there's anything else you wanted to add, do so. Um, if not, again, thank you so much, Sarah. And thank you to Floyd and everybody with the Biggs Institute and for doing what you guys are doing. Oh, thank you. Um, and thank you for what you guys are doing. Um, yeah. Takes a community. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Uh, well, I hope you have a good holiday. Um, yeah, we'll talk soon. Bye, Sarah. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> So guys, that is the end of our episode. We are so grateful and thankful to Sarah for hopping on the call and um, doing this interview. We're also grateful for her and her team for what they are doing and for continuing their research in this study. I also thank them. We also thank them for reaching out to us and wanting to speak more about this and sharing and uh, spreading awareness of their study as well as what they're doing and spreading awareness about dementia and Alzheimer's disease. So, uh, we're so grateful that you wanted to do this podcast to not only just continue to give us information and educate us, but also allow for us to take it to you guys, to our audience, to our families to hear and learn as well. That is what this podcast is all about is learning from one another. We're so grateful and thankful for her coming out. 
Um, so yeah, let's get into our DSA SDX recap, which like I said, this is, podcast is coming out at the end of d- this month. So our, our ongoing program happening throughout the month, but by the time this releases, it might be during the time our office is closed between December 22nd and January 1st. So we'll be closed for the remainder of the month. But um, other than that, January is full and booked with our ongoing programming continuing. Uh, we also have two new programs that we're adding, which are so excited. We have our teen social, which will be the first Saturday of the month, which is January 6th from 1 to 3. It's for ages the 13 and 17. We are excited to launch that, get that out there. Um, and have our families and more families be part of our organization. We also have our music and movement that we revamped. We have added new things to it, and we're so excited to restart that in the new year as well. That is every first and third Saturdays of the month at 10 a.m. to 11.30 a.m., and that is for ages 0 to 5. So we're excited for those two new programs to come in 2024. Like I said, our continuous other ones are um, still happening, whether it's Club Night, Kids Connection, Tennis, Family Fun Day is back in January as well and uh, many others. So to register for any of our special events and our programs, you can go to our website at dsastx.org um, and register Register there. Um, like I said, we hope to see you in the new year to make new memories with each and every one of you. We are so grateful and thankful for this entire year of 2023 that we got to spend with all of you. And so we're so grateful and thankful. We wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy, Happy New Year. See you in 2024.